God. They said we should shout. Some people, when the opportunity was given to shout the name of Jesus, I didn't see some people shouting Jesus. Shout the name of Jesus! 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 Amen. It's great to be with you and to be in church and to talk about Jesus and to experience Jesus. Amen. We read earlier on from the scriptures today, from Acts chapter 17, from verse 22 to 24. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with an inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship. Him declare I unto you, God that made the world in all things, and all things therein, seeing that he is the Lord of heaven and earth, not in temples made with hands. Amen. May we pray. Lord, we seek to know you and to understand you. Reveal yourself to us. I pray like the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord my God, in Jesus' name. Amen. At the beginning of the year, the Lord gave us a word. What did he give us? Oh, are we tired or hungry? Let's say as though we believe in that. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Let's say it again. Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. This afternoon, this morning into the noon, we want to have a few thoughts subject. Know your God. Tell your neighbor, know your God. When we hear every day in Ghana here, you say, oh, there are 70% Christians. And why is the country not changing? Why is there corruption? Then they say, oh, even the Muslims also, if you add another 14%, it makes it 84 or so, 15%, 85%. If everybody in Ghana says they know God. But the country doesn't seem to be changing. It's not only the political leaders, even the churches, we have a problem. Hallelujah. I trace it to the fact that the subject of knowing God is not settled in our hearts as a people and in the nation. Amen. So many times when I go to civil um, Christian um, meetings where we're discussing the economy and all of these things and they bring up this subject, then I ask them, who are these Christians? Are they those who say they know God or those who know God? Hallelujah. Because there is a difference in those who say they know God. The scripture makes it clear there are different levels of the knowledge of God. Hallelujah. Everybody says they know God. 
Today, as we get into the Word of God, my desire is that I will know God progressively and truthfully. And for you to know God truthfully and progressively. Hallelujah. Paul met the people of Athens, the, the, Christian, the, the, the people who were not born again. But they thought they, were, they knew God through the idolatry. And that's how come he said so. Earlier on, Daniel chapter 11 verse 32, the scripture said, The people that know they are God, they shall be strong and they shall do exploits. Hallelujah. And if you read those verses before then, Daniel was prophesying about the difficulties in the end time. And the Antichrist and all the, the false religion that will come. There has to be a distinction between the people who say they know God and the people who know God. And the distinction that Daniel was prophetically bringing across was the subject of signs, wonders. It says, and the people that know they are God. Number one, he said they will be strong. It means that their faith will be tested. If they are going to be strong, it means that their foundation of their faith will be questioned. And they will still, after being questioned or tested, they will make it. And not only that, they will do exploits. So, I have news for you. You cannot say you know God when you don't believe in the supernatural. When you don't believe in miracles. When you don't believe that God will use you or can use you and is ready to use you. And you think that power and supernatural and miracles only belong to pastors and prophets and evangelists. Because they say the people that know, it didn't say the prophets or the pastors or the evangelists who know they are God. Let me ask you, do you know God? Okay, we have gone five months. Have you had a divine encounter with God? January, February, March, April, May, June. What is a supernatural encounter that testifies that I know God? Hallelujah. Because Daniel said, but the people that do know, so it's a condition. It's clear, it's an indication that if I say I know God, then my life must manifest some things. And he says that some exploit, something unusual, something supernatural, sometimes spectacular, but something transformational. Exploit means something in the realm of the miraculous, something above natural. Something about the normal. When we look at our lives, four months, five months, we say, the Lord, he is God. Can you see that things have changed? Feel God. Experience. You, can you point to that? I know my God. He is faithful. I've encountered him. Hallelujah. I want to help us to dissect this issue by looking at four critical levels of the knowledge of God. 
Four levels. Number one. The scripture we read deals with what we call the natural and general knowledge of God. All over the world, everybody believes, many people, all over, very few people boldly say, I don't believe that God exists. It's the natural order for human beings all over the world to believe. That's why sometimes when you say, oh, Christianity is white man's religion, because our forefathers were worshiping God, they, they don't have those who say they are ignorant. And Paul says that the times of this ignorance, God has overlooked. These people were making idols and they were trying to represent God. When you go to the east, and now even in the west, you have a movement called the Hindu religion. They believe that God was represented in 33 million idols. The Hindus, they say every religion leads, every religious spiritual encounter leads to God. No matter what, everybody is going towards God. God accepts all. Universality of God. And it's very acceptable to those who don't want any relationship or commitment to the Lord. So there's a general knowledge. Everybody thinks, oh, we all know God, but we all know God differently. So we can serve God the way we like. It's a lie of the devil. Hallelujah. It's a very basic level. And highly placed people, sometimes you meet, you go to meetings and you meet highly placed people making these statements. Sometimes even some of them clergy. I have been on major programs where clergy, senior clergy, one clergyman, he was trying to say, oh, even, uh, oh, we are all the same, so even, I, as a clergyman, I know how to do the ritual of the tigari. I can do it. I can perform it. Tigari is a shrine in the uh, uh, OT region. These days, people don't mention Tigari. Like Antoine Yama is in Ashanti. Tigari was from there. And people say, oh, a pastor or a, a, a minister be proud that he knows Tigari. The incantations of, the invocations of the Tigari shrine. Because at the back of his mind, it's the same. Some have chosen Islam, some are chosen Christians, some are chosen. It's not true. That's a basic level of knowledge of God, which is not true. And there are people sometimes in church. That is why people can come to church and still carry talisman. Eh? Or come to church and still have a crucifix special given by a prophet or somebody. When I was a young, uh, a, 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 a younger person, in, a, 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 even the early days of our faith, Many of our family members, we used to have a priest at Ringway. Even though you go to church, you go, then he'll give you Florida water, holy water, and uh, incense, uh, okay, incense occasionally. Florida water, olive oil. Then we have a calico. They, they mark it red and black, red and black, cross, cross. cross. Well, there's cross means God is in it. And we used to religiously bath with it. You give you a white bucket. And when you go to boarding school, and you're, you are playing with your friends and your crucifix. Usually it was made of aluminium. They show you to go and buy it at Opera Square. And when you buy it and you go to school with a rope there, you don't want to lose it. Because it's, even though you say you are born again, that knowledge of God that you have is a fake knowledge of God. It's not real. You go through the church rituals, you pray, you do all the things, but still... There is a misconception 
And this is what the people in Athens, they thought they were serving Jesus. But God said, no, the hour come now, the true Jesus, the true God has come. It's a false knowledge of God. Say amen. And there are Christians who are supposedly said, who say, I've given my life to Jesus. We have made, they've received Christ, but they are still steep deep. They, their grandmother gave them something. When they are attending every funeral, they have to keep it so they can wear it. When they are come to church, they remove it. But they are in church. They are born again, supposedly. Sometimes even they speak in tongues. They don't know God. Because this God that we are talking about, the Lord, God of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, He is an exclusive God. He is not polytheism, where many gods make one God. He is not like that. Poly means many, many. He's not like that. He is one. The Lord your God is one God. Hallelujah. He's the Lord and God of our, uh, our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you are in the church and you are still one in, one out, I present to you that your knowledge of God is warped. And you need help. Say Amen. The second level of knowledge of God that people carry around is what I call the factual knowledge. There are a lot of people who can quote from A to Z. Short drill. They'll win the competition just now. When I was in secondary school, I did religious education, religious knowledge. Bible knowledge, or I've forgotten whether it's IRS. Religious studies. The teacher that taught me was the authority in Ghana. He was called T.N.O. Kwakupum. I've forgotten the meaning of his T.N.O. And he knew, almost all of us who went to, did all the windows, you had to read Kwakupum to pass. You read, you, you, did you read his book? Yeah. If you don't have Kwakupum, you can't pass B.K. He wrote the synoptic gospels, and all of them. He was competing with the big brains like Professor Dixon. When it came to theology, I won't talk about your father, don't worry. I know you're anxious. The way you are looking at my face, I won't talk about your father. So, T.N.O. Kwakupon will come into the class. Then he would open to Exodus chapter 20. Now, normally he won't carry any book. All is in his head. He will say, Exodus 20, verse 1 to 4. Then he will start. That is the giving of the Ten Commandments. Then when he gets to one of the verse, maybe verse 5, that's the Lord your God is one, you shall serve me alone, blah, 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 and he will curse you uh, to the third and fourth generations, anyone who practices idolatry, blah, blah, blah. Then he will ask, give me the context. Then you start, when you start and you are off, you say, hold on, next, context. Next, he will do it out of about half the class, then one person will get it correct. They say, all of you standing, come to my house after lunch with cutlasses. And you know where he's coming from when he says, come to my house after lunch. I won't say anything more. Lunch. Until Naboli. With cutlasses. He, he knew the scriptures like Apollos in Acts chapter 18. The scripture said, he knew the scriptures but only up to the baptism of John. He had no revelation knowledge. Factual knowledge. 
In 2004, when Dr. T.L. Osborne came to Ghana for a crusade at Elwak, I was part of the organizers. Privileged. And I met Mr. Kwakpom, who had gone to sojourn in Nigeria, and had come. He said, now I am born again. I know the Lord. Those things he used to say to us, students, the God of the Old Testament was very mean, very wicked. But the God of the New Testament, very, very calm. Forgiving. Temperate. He used to say things which were quite hard to take for us as believers. But he didn't understand them. Because he just had factual knowledge of God. But if you asked him, you say, oh, when, when we're preaching in scripture, you say, oh, you guys, you don't know God. Yeah, I know God. Because he has studied from Genesis to Revelation. Cover to cover. Hallelujah. That's another level. The third level of knowledge of God that people have is what we call experiential knowledge. Knowledge by experience. Hallelujah. Now let me say this before I, end, I move to knowledge by experience. Under the factual knowledge, you know that many of the when you are reading the Bible, prophet always says, stop and think. Many of us, when we are reading the Bible, you know that it's not everything in the Bible, a line you see, which is saying exactly what you think. You are getting confused. Don't get confused. Somebody can take the book of Job, example. Job, when you read the book of Job, it's one of the books you need to always be very careful when you are quoting from. When you caught out of context, you are in trouble. Some, the friends of Job, only one of them was somehow correct. The three friends, most of them, the things they said, they were not, they were, they were factual, but they were not revelation. I'll show you in a minute. One of them was called Elihu, or Elihu, depending on whether you are coming from America or from Britain. Elihu, or Elihu, from what he said in the book of Job, chapter 36. Hallelujah. 11 to 15. He says, Job chapter 36. He says, if they, he was talking to, advising Job, trying to tell Job that you are, you, are, you are going through this problem because you are a bad man. You are a sinner. He says, if they obey and serve him, they shall spend their... You are talking about good people. Those who are good. Those who serve God. Those who obey him. They are, they, are, they, are, they are enjoying life because they obey God. And they are yes in pleasures. Is that always true? Factually, sometimes it can be true for some people. It can be that, yes, God, like, God bless Abraham with a blessing. But look there. Look at the verse 12. But if they obey not, they shall perish by the sword, and they shall die without knowledge. John the Baptist, how old was he when he died? So, but Jesus said, of all the men born of out of a woman, John the Baptist was the greatest. So, Elihu was wrong. But if you go and take him and quote him, you are quoting out of context. 
So you say you know God. We say we know God. But some of the things that we stand on to claim our knowledge of God needs to be checked out. Tell your neighbor, check it out. You need to, we need to check out certain things we read. You see, if they obey, then it goes on verse 13. But the hypocrites in heart heap up wrath. They cry not when he binded them. He's talking about Job. Job, you are a hypocrite. That's why you are suffering. They die in youth. What I was just saying. Is it always true? If a child dies at the age of one, what bad has he or she done to die in youth? But this is what Elihu is saying. That if, uh, if you were good, you should have lived to 100 years. That's why there are churches now that if you are even not 70 years, they don't even touch your body. I don't know where they got their doctrine from. It's not true. It's not fully correct. It's, it seems they know God, but they don't really know God in that sense. Now, so factual knowledge of God is not the same as revelation knowledge of God. Amen. Then we also have experiential knowledge of God. And the man who did that was the man we know as Naaman. Naaman, 2 Kings 5, verse 15 to 18. Now Naaman was healed of his leprosy. Then he said, ah, now I know there is a God in Israel. Everybody should serve him. But look at what he said at the end of it all. Now I know there is a... So he had had experience through healing. Don't let your knowledge of God depend on an experience. There are many of us who say, Oh, me, when I dream, it comes to pass. Every day God speaks to me, come by dream. Please, be careful. Be careful. If that's the only way you know God, you need to be careful. Your experience is telling you how you know God. When I catch this revelation, when I do this, when this thing happens, this experience, I've had it uh, since I was a child. One day I went to Elwak and I was preaching to a gentleman and he said, Oh, even before getting, he's in a Bible school, I said I was one of our brethren, I mean, says, um, uh, what do you call, one of our brethren. And then we went, and the guy was boasting. No, God has been showing him even certain leaves. Even before he, he got to the Bible school, he's in a Bible school, supposedly wanting to be a pastor, and he's still talking about a certain leaf that he was, you, God was showing him before he got born again that he used to heal people and to solve problems. Oh my God. And this guy is going to start a church a few months or years to come, and he will still be using that leaf. Experiential. His experience is teaching him about God. Many of us, our dreams, something that happened when we were children, something our parents told us. Now, this man called Naaman, he said he has experienced God because he's healed. Many of us depend, we, we even equate healing the day we got healed to the day we got born again. Then he goes on and says, ah, please, when I go to the, 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 the verse 16 and 17 and thereabout, he says, when my king goes to his shrine and he's performing his rites, forgive me in advance because I'll have to hold his clothes. The man says he has known God and yet he's going to the shrine to carry the clothes of the person who's performing. You and the Tigari man, what's the difference? No difference. Because if you have known God, you will not go to the shrine. Is that true? You'll be able to tell the king, King, I now serve this different God, so this shrine, I don't have business there. 
but because he is using his experience. When the, and he leaned on my hand, and I bowed myself in the house of the Rimon, which is a, a shrine. When I bowed myself in the house of Rimon, he's going to worship Rimon. But before I do that, idolatry, Lord, forgive me in advance. One of my friends on campus used to say, Charlie, this one, I'll do it and then I'll beg God. Hallelujah. Let's not do that. Amen. So, number three, experiential knowledge. is also not complete. The last knowledge level is perfection. Knowledge, perfecting in knowledge. In 1 Corinthians 13 verse 9, Paul says, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. When the perfect comes, the imperfect will be done with. Hallelujah. So it's, we are dealing with progressive knowledge of God. We are dealing with knowledge of God, which is consistent with the way God himself sees himself. We are dealing with a knowledge of God which reflects the person, the voice of God, the expectations, the likes and dislikes of God, the nature of God, that reflects him as he himself by revelation brings to mankind. Say amen. How do I know that this my knowledge of God is in this perfect state? It's not in absolute terms, but you need these guidelines. Number one, This knowledge is based and provokes the love of God. Let's look at First John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. It's one of the songs I learned very early as a young Christian. Beloved, let us love one another. Okay. Love is of God. Everyone that loveth is born of God. And knoweth God. And Know what God. So, number one indication that you are walking in perfect knowledge of God is the love that manifests when you are dealing with brethren or dealing with other people. When we are dealing with people, it's a manifestation. In the love of God, I can say I know everything about God. I know God. But if in my communication, in my relationship with brethren or with other people, is an issue, then I need to trust God, Lord. I need to know you better. Because my knowledge of you is short. My love, my knowledge of you is complete when it it manifests in my loving neighbor, whether they are born again or not. Hallelujah. Whether they are, I'm reading a book called How to Deal with Difficult People. This is the second time I'm buying a book like that. And it's a very interesting question, Bible study book. So, when you have the knowledge of God, God's love in you gives you grace to deal with even the unlovable and the difficult people. Hallelujah. Let me ask you, who are the difficult people in your life, in your own view? Don't tell me. But you, you know that people who are difficult in your life. Maybe it's your husband, maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's one of your children. And, or people you have done good to, who should show gratitude but are very bad. Hallelujah. And there's a provocation 
to give them, show them evil. Hallelujah. But the scripture says that when our love, then our knowledge of God is perfected, it reflects in our love for the people, including those that are difficult. Say amen. Number two, if I want to show perfection in the knowledge of God, we are talking about fear of God. Proverbs 1, 7. There is a scripture, that scripture, when many times people read it and say, oh, it's, it's like, if you have knowledge, then you fear God. But if you read it carefully, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So when you are in the school of knowledge, the first fruit that you people will see or must see is that you fear God. Now, the, when, when you know God, that is when you can actually fear Him genuinely. When you know the nature of God, when you understand who He is, what He likes, what He doesn't like, how He operates, how it, His temper, how His, 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 what do you call it? His moral attributes and His might attributes. All the different attributes of God that you know, because of that, that is what makes us fear God. When you don't know the moral attributes of God, when you don't know the power attributes of God, the knowledge attributes of God, that God, He knows everything. He sees everything. Then it's difficult to fear Him. But when you understand the way God operates, when you look at His, His, His morals, the love, the mercy, the compassion. Then you are, even when you are, you, you, you offend, you are able to, you know how to apply the grace of God. You don't run away from the presence of God. You are able to approach Him by the mercies of the blood. By the, 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 the grace of God through the blood. Because you understand the work of the cross. When you have knowledge of the cross. When you understand what happened from the cross to the throne. And the, the intercession that has been made according to Colossians. That Jesus went into the, the grave and fought the principalities and powers. Then you understand how to fear him. When you, you have an, a knowledge of the might of God. Mighty warrior. And the fact that he has overcome every power of darkness. Then can you submit to him. That he's power above every other power. Say amen. So fear of God comes when you have true knowledge of God. And we, become, we, don't, we may not, you may not even need people to even prop you to do that which is right. Say amen. We've talked about exploits already. I also want to mention service or obedience it's a result of the knowledge of God. Those of us who are in church, that people always have to edge. Do this. Why are you not coming to impartation? Why are you not coming? It's because you don't know the Lord. You see, when you read the book of Matthew, Gospel according to Matthew chapter 25, that servant, that the master came and he had, from verse 14 to 30, the master came and he, he said, I knew, I thought, I, I, I said you are a difficult master. So he didn't trade with his talent. Why do people struggle with their gifts and their talents and their abilities to serve the Lord? Because they don't know the Lord. 
You see, when you know the Lord, and the Lord says to you, First Corinthians 4, 7, say, what do you have that was not given to you? It is a knowledge of God. So, it makes you willing to let go whatever God has given to you. When I think, oh, I have by my own self acquired, I've done well, I've had this skill, I have this ability, I'll give it when I like, I'll not give it when I don't want, or I'll do it how I want it. Then, you have a problem. It's because you don't have a, a, a perfect knowledge of God. And why God does the things he does? Why did God give me the gift? Why did God invite me to this church? Why did God send me to marry this woman or that man? The idea, the thread that, oh, oh, I'll walk you out of this house anytime. You don't understand because you don't know God. You're able to say, I'll drive you out quickly. One friend of mine, years ago, somebody left his church. And he went to the guy's house and said to him, I'll finish you off. <laughs> I'll finish you off. No. We, know, not, we didn't die for anybody. Amen. We didn't die for anybody. Are you, are you with me? So it's not, if we pray that God will help us all to serve together. But if it pleases the Lord that any brother or any sister, something should go wrong, we shouldn't be too, we shouldn't make it too personal. If we know the Lord and we understand that this flock and everybody that are around us, our wives, our children, our husbands, they are gifts of God. It humbles us. It makes us act differently. Say amen. Knowledge of God makes a whole difference in the way we serve and obey the Lord. Amen. Amen. Knowledge of God provokes faith. Now, how do I know my God? Quickly, number one. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty seven, 27, Everything that you know of me, or you know the Father, it is the Father that has revealed. If I don't let Matthew eleven twenty seven, please. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son, but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son. So, you cannot say, I know God, when you don't know Jesus. You cannot say, oh, I know, I, I know God, when you, you have other things. And other mediums. Because it's only Jesus that reveals God. Say, Amen. Number two, you cannot know God if the Holy Ghost is not involved. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16. Who is he that has the mind of God, Christ? We have the mind of Christ. And we read preceding verse tells you clearly because the Spirit of God dwells in us. When you read John 14, verse 6, uh, 16 and 17, talks about Jesus saying, I'm going to the Father and I'm asking him to send the Holy Ghost, the Comforter. He will lead you into all truth. He will teach you all things. You will know all things. So, beloved, anybody who tells you, I know God, but I don't believe the Holy Ghost today in this era. He doesn't, he doesn't know the Lord. Because you cannot know God except the Holy Ghost reveals. When Peter tried to talk about knowing God, he said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven through the Holy Spirit. Amen. How do I know my God? You know God by seeking Him. 
Jeremiah 33 3 says, If you seek the Lord, call upon him, seek him, he will show you. Second Chronicles 16 9 says, The eye of the Lord is going to and forth, seeking to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are upright towards him. Amen. One of the keys to knowing God is true humility. Now, I'm not talking about uh, the, the one that Jesus described in Matthew 23, the, the Pharisees and all those ones, that this open one known. You see, Paul manifested this humility when in Philippians chapter 3, from verse 8 to uh, 14, particularly 8 to 10, when he said, all these things that I know, and all these things that I have achieved, and all these things that I can do, I count it as nothing. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. So, for you, the key to knowing Him is, I drop all my crowns. I drop all my jewels. I drop all my experience. I drop all my knowledge. I drop all my abilities. All that I'm able to do. So he says in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15.10, I am what I am by the grace of God. That is what we are talking about. How does a person know God? Through humility. By examining himself and saying, Hey, how did I get here? What is it that I have that was not given? Hallelujah. There has to be an internal, what we call introspection. Internal examination of the issues of life. That's the only way. And Paul did that. And he wrote about it to the Philippians. Why many of us don't really get to know God is that we don't do introspection. We don't examine ourselves. We don't search. We don't seek to know how we got where we are or how come we are different from another. One of the things I've learned in the scriptures, the scripture said, humble yourself, therefore, that's what it says. Now, for God, he fights or is angry with those that are proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, that humility, as I've said, is not the Pharisee type we're talking about. We're talking about attitudinal humility of heart. Posturing in relation to others, in relation to God. That is humility. It, when one in his own heart, Paul, Paul wrote to the Romans and said, Let not any man think of himself more highly than he ought to think. So, you see, humility starts from the way you think about yourself in relation to people, in relation to God, in relation to systems, in relation to assignments, in relation to anything that God has placed around your life. If your husband, your wife, the way you position yourself. And you see, the thing about humility, the Lord taught me, if you don't humble yourself, God then humiliates you. Let me say that again. When we don't humble ourselves, God gives us an unpleasant duty of humiliating us. So I would rather that Lord hum, help me. I want to humble. You see, it's something that God is not going to do for you. If God does it, it will end in humiliation. Are you with me? If God does it, 
It becomes humiliation. It doesn't become humility. So, I will say, Lord, I surrender to you. Than for him to pick me and say, hey, my son, my daughter, you are going too far. I pray God will help you to understand his word. Beloved, we need to trust God to understand and to know him. There are many parading and say, we know God. But many, I believe that we really haven't experienced what it means to know God. There are many unsearchable things in God. But there must be a yearning like Paul was doing in Philippians. Say, I continue, I haven't had enough of knowing God. One of the indicators that we don't really know God is when we say, I know God enough, I've arrived. It's an indication that we really don't know God. Because when you read Romans 11, I'm ending on this, verse 33. Romans 11. 33. Oh, the death. Let us rise as we read the scripture together. Then we pray. Oh, can we do it faster so we save some time? Let us read the scripture together. Oh, the death of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Hallelujah. So we never really come to a conclusion and say, Oh, now I know God, I've arrived. I've done. You know when we were in secondary school, people finish O level, A level, and they go and write, So, so, and so, Achim Borazo was here some. I'm done. Hey. It's not like that. Hallelujah. It's a continuous engagement with the Lord. Say, Lord, I want to know you more. As we bow our heads, I don't know what is hindering your knowledge of God. Sometimes it's our imagination. Sometimes it's our tradition. Sometimes it's our self. Sometimes it's our business. We can be very busy. First, Kings 20 verse 40. The man was busy here and there. And the master said, because you are busy here and there, your life will be sacrificed in place of the prisoner. Let it not be said of, of, of us, I pray, O Lord. I will not be busy here and there, but I will be focused. Talk to God and say, Lord, that I may know you, the power of your resurrection, the fellowship of your suffering, be made conformable to you. I don't want a thwarted or, 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 or any negative image of knowing you. I want a total knowledge of you. A revelation, a total revelation of you. I pray, oh Lord. Talk to God somebody. Say, Lord, let that come upon me. I need you. I need to know you. I want to walk with you in total knowledge. I don't want to have a, a myopic knowledge of you. I don't want to have incomplete knowledge of you. I don't want to have a dwarfish knowledge of you. I want a complete knowledge. An increasing, ever increasing knowledge of you. I pray, oh God. That as I walk with you, I will not be short in knowing you and understanding you. Oh Lord, in the name of Jesus, lay down every idol, thrones that we have made. Ask the Lord, help me. I need this grace. So that when you have knowledge, the fear of the Lord will just come. When you have knowledge, he says, notable works will happen. Supernatural things will happen.
It will manifest. When you know God, you, you, you have communion with God. And some things, people like Moses knew God. He says he knew him face to face. And the glory of the Lord overshadowed him. I pray, oh God, that I'll have that grace. Not just in the natural, but in the spirit. I pray, let your flame of fire be upon your people. Let the flame, let the glory, let the honor. As we saw on the Mount of Transfiguration, and you are revealed fully. Oh Lord, reveal yourself to me. Reveal yourself to my brethren. Reveal yourself to your church. In the name of Jesus, we will be found perfect in walking with you. Oh Lord, my God. Thank you, Jesus, that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Be magnified. Be exalted. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that you have heard us. Open my eyes. Open our eyes to see you clearly and to walk in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. Hallelujah. Please take your seats. When you know the Lord, you don't need people to prompt you to even give to the Lord. Hallelujah. People who know the Lord, they just cheerfully give to the Lord. Because they know that everything they have, it is the Lord that gave them. And they are willing to share. Hallelujah. When they are blessing a brother or sister, they are not looking left and right. They are not worried. Because they know that he that gave to them will increase what he has given Hallelujah. They know that their lives are dependent on that God. So this afternoon, as you give towards the kingdom of God in this mission offering, give it knowing that all that you are, all that you have, belongs to the Lord. Give it cheerfully. For God loves a cheerful giver. If you have a tithe and you owe, I plead with you. Reconcile with God. Don't just take it for granted. Don't say, oh, it doesn't matter. God understands. I'm tight. God's money. That's God's money. I pray that God will have mercy on you for your past sins. But God will also give you another opportunity to correct it. Be speedy in correcting what is wrong in your finances before the Lord. Amen. Take your tithe, take your offering as the musicians 